Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Hey, Jeremy, I want to take a moment to tell our listeners about something I'm really excited about. Sharon, what's that? The North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists and the South Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists are having an interstate conference, a state meeting with the two organizations coming up in just a few short weeks. Of course, last year it was planned and, you know, COVID kind of ruin that for us. It was on Zoom. It was great. It was still a great meeting, but not this year. We're still planning for it to be in person. That's right. And this year, live and in person, it's going to be at the Renaissance Hotel in Asheville, which I'm looking forward to, one of my favorite cities in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I'm sure others are actually looking forward to going someplace other than a computer or in their home office. Uh, Well, I know I am. The meeting's going to be September 10th through the 12th. And there's still time to register. People can get about 22 CEs while you're up there. You can take a tour of Asheville's awesome microbreweries. We're going to have an awesome pack event. I happen to know the DJ for the pack event uh, very well. We'll have, of course, the state business meetings. You'll have an opportunity to network and visit with exhibitors. And with both states coming together, we'll have lots of exhibitors. So I look forward to seeing people there. Including us. We'll be there. That's right. We're going to be doing some podcast taping on site while we're there. But Please come and join us and enjoy all the great sights and sounds of a destination in the mountains. And it's got to be a little bit cooler than it is down here. (laughs) That's right. So we don't want our listeners to miss it. You can register at ncana.com or sccrna.org. We're looking forward to seeing you in Asheville. You will not want to miss this meeting. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. 
And my co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, hello, Miss Sharon Pierce. Well, how are you doing this evening, Jeremy, after you were late and made me wait? Oh, Sharon, you know, I was just fashionably late. <laughs> you know, I learned well, you're that from always you, right? fashionable. You know? I, I am not ever late. But, but you know what? What I learned from you is that if you're going to do something, do it fashionably. Well, well, right? you're doing it with okay. your with your little glasses on now that you have to have readers. Yeah, there you go. You know, and sometimes they're black and sometimes they're clear. You know, I switch yeah. it up for you. You're pretty fashionable. Well, you know, our guest one day will have to have reading glasses. I He's do. Not I have there. them now. You have, have them, them now. now? <laughs> I just, I only, only use them uh, as needed currently. Ah. Well, welcome. Since our, our guest has been introduced, but not formally, Mr. Joe Rodriguez. Welcome, buddy. Thanks. I'm glad to be on a podcast about how to prevent early aging. I'm really excited. <laughs> Number one, uh, avoid the use of glasses as long as possible. That's, that's exactly it. right. Yeah. Until you go and into hug- a restaurant and you can't see the menu anymore and you're like, what happened yeah. to the light in here, you know? Oh, that's- yeah. That's when your phones come on, actually. Yeah. Uh, Jill from South Carolina was in Philomena's when the Fab Four were there eating in D.C. And she took a picture of the four of us and all of us oh, had yeah, <laughs> on our phone oh, oh <laughs> like, gosh uh, instead of the fab four the four old ladies uh, maybe. <laughs> I, you know i i figure instead of doing that i'm just going to get my one and a quarter glasses and just be done with it you know so i'm, I'm still in the the beginning part of this year so well you've got a long ways to go there jeremy let's just hope let's just hope well joe how's everything in arizona man Things in Arizona are doing well, doing well. It's uh, anesthesia is changing and very, very quickly. And uh, I think the last time we spoke was a number of years ago. It was back a long, long time ago when we met in person. Yep. And, you know, the world was less crazy. But yeah, yeah, I've learned a, a tremendous amount since that time. Business is going well. And I suppose it's worth mentioning that I'm on the, the board of our professional association now as well. So now I could add cool disclaimers like... Today, I am only representing myself and only myself and nothing I say in any way, shape or form is a representative of any organization I am part of. There we go. Now the lawyers are happy. That's right. Always a disclaimer, you know. Yep. So, Joe, we're going to be talking today about business development and marketing, some of this fun regulatory reform. And then, of course, our new favorite Uh topic, the nurse anesthesiologist descriptor and leadership development. Completely non-controversial. No, completely non-controversial. At least the ASA thinks so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, Joe. My my Google search for nurse anesthetist, uh, normally you'll get a couple of articles every evening. And I mean, it has been just a list of articles every night. Well, what can I say? We have their attention. Uh, I was going to say, if nobody's talking about you, you're not doing anything, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where do you want to start? Well, (laughs) why don't you kick us off and just tell us, you know, why this stuff you think is important and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Sure. So I think 
The easiest way to put this in terms, most people, the vast majority of business people in this country will say, I don't want anything to do with politics because it can negatively impact the bottom line. Yep. Right. Yep. And I think our organization, we often call ourselves a dual purpose company, right? Because we think that doing the right thing, you know, we'll say in terms of reform, right, or politically, right, has benefits for your business in the long term. Right. So that's part A, because that's one of the most earliest questions I always get. Why are you bothering with all this stuff? Why not just make money? And I think that's how most CRNA business people are, right? Yep. So that's part one. Part two is, and this is my personal bias, right? If in your business, people do not have a clear understanding of what you do and what you can offer them, they're not going to buy your service or they're not going to pay as much as you like, right? And they're going to, they, and they might pay it, but they might feel like it's too much, yeah. right? right? So all these bad things in business, right? And these are things that generally apply to, to all service-oriented businesses, Right. So that's how these two things connect. Right. So for the nurse anesthesiology movement, I think it's been really fundamentally, it's been about making sure the right people understand who we are and what we do. Right. And I think if that question was answered effectively already, well, then we won't be having this conversation. Right. It would have been some fringe idea and it would have gone off, you know, disappeared after a few months and that was it. But it shocked even me. I'm a more of a high concept you know, philosophical type of guy, but it shocked me how much it resonated with other people. And then it culminated with a vote last year for your viewers who don't know. One of the criticisms was, do we even, do, you know, this is all just like five people in a dark room who are pushing this idea and using their vast, dark social media powers to make this happen. Right. And they said, well, let's, we, we haven't even voted on this. So we finally said, okay, let's put it to a vote. Let's see what people think. So last year, we, we wrote a resolution that said, basically, that is a two-page resolution, but the short version is, look, these terms are interchangeable, right? Nurse anesthetist and nurse anesthesiologist. And we're going to rebrand the association to the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology for many reasons, but to keep up with the nomenclature from you know, physician anesthesiologist, dentist anesthesiologist, et cetera, it just seems to make more sense. And in the largest vote in the history of our professional association, it passed overwhelmingly. I think 72% was the number. So that's where we stand today with uh, the association just rebranded like two weeks ago. And just like Sharon was alluding to, is making our physician colleagues, you know, wring their hands or not, not really our physician colleagues, but more of just the, the political active people on their side are, you know, putting out news releases and all this sort of stuff. And ultimately, a lot of that's you know, going to boil down to they, you know, there's nothing that can be done from a legal perspective. If they was, they would have done it already. Right. And there's all sorts of nuances with title protection and trademarks, et cetera. I don't know if we want to dive too deep on that, but well, well, that's, what, that's, that's it. Yep. I just want to digress for just a minute and maybe tell our listeners who don't know you a little bit about your practice, what your position is there and, you know, how many folks are involved with, with your practice there in Arizona? Sure. Yeah. So just, uh, I've realized, you know, as you get older, you realize people don't know you. Like, I'm like, you know, you don't want to talk about yourself, <laughs> wait, right? Wait, then, wait, and, wait until you're on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, man. And then you find out these kids who are 28 have no idea who you no, are or yeah, that you've no. been doing this for 30 years. And <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. 
I think I saw a picture of you once or something. Right, right. You're this vague picture that I saw you in a sense. I just had a phone call with that. They're like, yeah, I follow you on some social media. But, you know, she had no idea how how involved myself and a number number of others had been. Oh, listen, I have sat on an airplane with CRNAs going to a meeting and they'll say, have you ever been to one of these before? And I mean, <laughs> right. I, I was president when that. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been to a couple. Oh, sure, my sure. Gosh. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm the presiding officer for this meeting. So, yes, I've been to a few. And, by few and they would 30. just see my CRNA, my bling pen. Anyway, right. so sorry right, about right. that. No, no, no. Go it's ahead. good. It's good to have the back and forth. But yeah, for your audience who doesn't know me, my name is Joe Rodriguez. I'm the managing partner of Arizona. I'm a managing partner of Arizona Anesthesia Solutions, which is a group based in Arizona. We cover three major markets, three out of the four markets here in Arizona, really Phoenix, Prescott, and Tucson, about 150 or so active clinicians, CRNAs, and physicians. And that's a great organization. I work with a lot of great people and uh, great. Uh, we have uh, some executives and a great administrative team. And we really cover everything from small offices to large tertiary care hospitals, right? So that's the business side, right? And it's a significant operation. And that's given me a lot of insight onto the, the effect of the regulatory side as well. And then, so on that regulatory side, uh, let's see, major highlights. Former president in Arizona. And over the past 10 years, we've really reshaped the entire state's regulatory landscape. So AAs, opt-out, independent practice, prescriptive authority. We're about to fix the dental regulations. We've had a very, very active 10 years. And if you're wondering, like, man, that sounds like a lot. It's because we have a lot of great people, like really just a number, I don't know, five to eight people have really made it their heart and soul for the last few years. And then at the national level, I've been part of this uh, nurse anesthesiology movement for the past four years or so, kind of the unofficial spokesperson. And then for any internal AANA people listening, we also got to reform the way we are elected in our association as well, much to the chagrin of basically all of Sharon's close personal friends in region two. <laughs> sorry, sorry to the region two people, but as it, you know, that's a, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I've been very involved and I think people, you know, say, why, why do all this stuff? Why not just focus on making money? And uh, I think it's very unfulfilling. Making money is easy in this business. It's very easy to make a lot of money now and it's, it's boring and there's, there's not, anybody can do that. Right. But I think doing things that we can only do together with other people, that's much more satisfying and realizing you're, you're trying to improve a lot of everyone. That's what politics is all about. I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard the same thing for many years and I tell people, you know, our lives, people like us who do this, make your life possible. You get to make money because mm. we dive into the political side of it because you so can't true. have one without the other. Yeah. So, Let's talk about politics. You alluded to it earlier. Are you talking about internal or external? Internal to the organization or external to the organization? So which would you like to dive into first? I feel like we've we've have this comment, you know, people who like people right now, especially politics is like a dirty word, right? But politics is really anytime you have like more than yourself in the room. There's a nature like there's diplomacy involved, right? You're being aware of what you're saying and how it's being perceived and blah, blah, blah. And that's just that's just working with people. So um, both. I I suppose the internal politics are tough because we're like this single party. Right. We're like, you know, a Democratic convention or a Republican convention. Right. So it's like these it feels like the civil war is going on. 
And it gets really intense, but at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, right? It's easy to forget that in the moment, especially in certain types of interactions. But yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk about either. You know me, I, I, I'll talk about almost anything. I don't have a shortage of opinions. So. <laughs> just, and let me just tell you, that gets worse as you get older. <laughs> exactly. Um, but all right, well, we'll go with the advocacy outwardly facing because you guys have worked very hard in Arizona and are definitely moving the needle out there and mm-hmm. changing the practice. And yeah, I would say bringing it up to what a lot of other states have already have been. And, and some are, are not, obviously, also. But it takes the right set of people, I think, who come in, who have vision and are willing to work hard and put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it very much does. And we have, we've been fortunate because we kind of got like this uh, cohort of folks like that. And I think, you know, somebody said to me recently, I was talking to another state and they're like, well, we didn't want to take this initiative on the regulatory side because we just weren't ready. Right. And they're like, well, you guys have all those people out there. And I'm just like, number two things come to mind. First, you are never going to be ready ever. It's like having children. You're never going to be ready. Exactly. You just got to do it. And if you fail, you fail, then you learn, right? That's part one. Part two is people, especially with the era of Facebook, right? Arizona's developed this reputation of being progressive and assertive and random people call me and tell me that. And I'm like, you guys don't know where we started. Like we started in somebody's kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And meeting and like, because we had no money. So we met at the university who would like give us this back room to meet in, right? And even when we took on very big opponents, it wasn't because we had a ton of money or a ton of preparation or a ton of governance experience or et cetera, et cetera. And we had some of that, right? We got some of it in place as we went along and we got better at it. But ultimately it was grit, right? We ate, slept and breathed it, right? That's how we were able to make progress. And that's really what you need in an, our unfortunate, very imperfect political system. So yeah, that's, that's ultimately uh, what it boils down to. And I think, and again, we're talking about business too, right? It's being, you know, making those changes is great, but if you're not translating to the real world, I mean, then you get the star and the star is really cool. You got to make it real, right? If you're going to go out and make real change in the healthcare marketplace, that is tremendously difficult. And it is a lot harder to do that than to be opinionated on the internet and to create a comment that gets likes, right? Because I know how to do that too. You know, lots of people do. But that's a, a tremendous amount of work. It requires a lot of diplomacy, a lot of dedication. So well, to- there's a lot to unpack here. But the first thing, and I think the most important thing, and you glazed over it, but I know that you know the importance. It's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my friend Kimberly Gordon says, because I always like to say it's about who you know, and mm-hmm. she'll say, and who knows you. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So why don't why don't you touch on that just a little bit? And I think that would go, you know, with the political side as well as with your business side. So what have yeah. you learned? So we have a contract where we cover this hospital with a group of solo MDs, like it's an all MD group and an all CRNA group. We practice side by side, right? There's no supervision involved, but it's a collaborative arrangement. It actually works pretty well. And I'm talking to this this cardiac you know, certified MD. He's very fancy. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Joe, I got to admit you and Allie, you and Allie are better than probably 90% of the anesthesi- physician anesthesiologists I know. And I can't say his name because he would hate that I'm putting this out there. Right. And he goes, oh, so many of the guys I, I know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, so many of the guys I know, they're just not players. 
You know, they just don't know. They don't know. And he couldn't really verbalize it, but he just, he just kept going on. They, they just, they don't know what they're really doing, right? You guys, you guys know what you're doing. You guys have made the investments, right? And in his very you know, rough way of describing this, he was essentially saying that Ali and I, and it's not just Ali and I, we get an, a disproportionate amount of attention, but had put in the work, right? And made sure the right people knew what we were doing and knew who we were, right? So we put in hours and hours and hours of work, unpaid work, right? Down at the Capitol on behalf of the association. But that connect over years, that connected us with senators, the heads of the Department of Insurance, right? So the next time we had problems in that area, we could just pick up the phone and send a text message. And all of a sudden we were in touch with people who could help solve our problems. Now, People want it to be a this for that. Well, if I put in this investment, I'm going to get something back, right? It never works that way, right? But what you want to be is what that guy was talking about, that MD was talking about, which was, hey, if you want to make an impact on your community, right, you've got to put in the work. You've got to be a player. You, you got to eat, sleep, and breathe it. If you want to, you don't get the benefits of all that by just punching the clock every day. That's just the nature of it, right? It's an imperfect system, but it means you've got to work your tail off for free a lot and not be too concerned about it. So Joe, you guys have really been leaders in this movement in Arizona and now nationally. You know, I'm just thinking as a business person here, there had to be some negative ramifications, be it from your physician anesthesiologist colleagues, the ASA, in your business because of your advocacy. You want to kind of touch on that a little bit? I mean, obviously, in the long run, you've worked your way through it, but I think a lot of people don't get involved, don't put their opinions out there because they worry about, you know, how it affects the business side and how it's going to affect the bottom line. Did you have any of that? We did. And I think it's important for business leaders who are getting involved and being a, you know, two-purpose company, Right. And we, you know, that's a, a phrase from, I, I, st- I stole it from somebody else, right? But it's the idea that if you work for the benefit of your community, even though it's not direct, it positively impacts your business, mm-hmm. right? Right. Now, our community is unique, right? Especially with the physician aspect and all the tension. So it's important for business leaders in this space to clearly articulate the vision on how CRNAs and physicians can work together clinically, Right. Because so many people think being pro CRNA automatically means being anti everyone else. That is not the case. Right. And I'll give you two examples. The first is one of the physicians who works with us. His name's Drew. He's a great guy. And I texted him the other night and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm really happy to have you on board. And uh, I wrote this article called this, you know, about this. I didn't tell him at the time, but it's called the Collaborative Anesthesia Team. And really, it's just about respecting autonomy and professionalism and being able to work together. It's really not that complex. And uh, I said, I wrote that article and I got a lot of pushback from CRNAs who said I was a sellout. And at that point, I used an expletive. And it started with the fifth or sixth letter of the alphabet and um, ended with them. And um, <laughs> basically, I said, you know, I'm on board with this idea that we can get maximum value out of everyone that's available on the market, right? If you're a CRNA or you're a physician, my job as a business leader is to figure out how to maximize the value from those people, whether it's investing in them or leadership training or clinical training or whatever, right? If they're a part of my team, then I take that value and sell it to the customer, right? Who's buying that value. Turns out the customer really doesn't care 
what the anesthesia model is, as long as it's not too far outside the market norm, right? Mm -hmm. But in this way, the goal is create the greatest amount of value possible, right? It's utilitarianism, really, for your customer. Work backwards from that, whether that's all CRNA or all MD or some mix of both. And then you stop asking the wrong question, which is, well, who should be in charge? Mm -hmm. And what type of model are we going to use? And are we going to use the ASA stamped medical direction model of delivery? That's solving the wrong problem. They're solving their economic problems by doing that, the ASA. Absolutely. That's why they're losing market share. Right. Right. Because they're not taking the problem where it's at, which is with hospitals and facilities and working backwards. Right. What they're doing is saying, well, we should be always in charge. We're taking our view and putting it on the client. Right. So that's our approach. And I think if you clearly articulate that physicians and CRNAs realize that you do not have to be fighting each other. Right. So that's part A. If you, as long as you do that, that solves a lot of problems. But yeah, there has been some blowback. And I suppose in the long run, it's worth it. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call him at 504-394-6557. So you hit on a good point. You you know, in business and in life, one of the things I've learned is if you're scared of what you're losing, you can't win. Hmm. You can't win. I mean, and and that is the way I see this. I mean, again, you know, I mean, obviously I'm pro-CRNA and I have my opinions about this. But, you know, when I look at the ASA in general, and not every anesthesiologist, because there's great sure. ones out there that do a wonderful job, respect CRNAs, want to work with CRNAs. I mean, but they're scared of the economic impact that CRNAs bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And when you're scared that you're going to lose something, you react very, very differently than you do when you think, Oh, if I work hard, I can gain something. And that's right. a completely different mindset. You know, and that is a, a big differentiator in what you're doing, what I'm hearing mm-hmm. you say. And the direction that I see the ANA going in is not we're gonna lose something. We're gaining something by doing what we're doing. And mm-hmm. you know, it, that's the way I view it. Yeah, I love that. I think it's I think that's great. Probably other people would put it into the scarcity versus abundance mindset, right? There you go. If from yeah. the um, the Stephen Covey days yeah, back in like exactly. the late 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And uh, it's very, very true. And when you talk about you react very differently, yeah. people don't realize, people think, oh, I just, I spouted off my reaction and it's super popular on Facebook. You know, somebody told you something you didn't like, give them the middle finger emoji. I'm like, oh my gosh, like these are professionals, you're God. And that's what we're promoting. And we see it in the real world and the problems it causes. But I think you're absolutely right. Like if we had taken a all CRNA or nothing, we're going to be puritanical about this, ideological. We're we're not going to give one inch. 
It's really bad for business, number one. Absolutely. And ultimately, it's really bad for CRNAs. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. But look, if we wanted to get into certain markets, we had to be open to collaborative relationships. And you know what? Most CRNAs I know don't really care about working with, like they don't mind working with physicians, right? It's kind of like, oh, that's kind of nice, right? Unless as soon as it's exactly what you're talking about, right? That scarcity mindset, you can't do a nerve block because you're dangerous. Well, we know that's not true. Right. That's where the tension comes in. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden it creates all this bad stuff in the market and bad stuff at the at state capitals across the country. But if we took the approach of, hey, let's get maximum value out of everybody. You know, this is why the, the ASA's team models is so silly. Right. We're going to create the medical direction team. And in that team, you can only give 60% of your contribution. And oh, yeah, it benefits me financially. Come on, guys. Like, like come on. Is anybody really believing that anymore? That's a well, horrible way to there, do business. There are still people who do believe yeah. that, which it, is the sad thing. But you it's know, crazy, nobody, man. nobody practices in a vacuum. And at the core, yeah. I don't think anybody really has any problem with collaborative practice. Absolutely. I certainly don't. I mean, we collaborate with lots of people, your circulator in the room, your scrub tech, your operating physician. And I would challenge you to think that as nurses, we are the ultimate collaborators that there are. You worked Mm -hmm. on the floor and you were dealing with multiple departments, multiple personalities. That's what we're good at. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the problem. I think it boils down to what this whole nurse anesthesiology thing is about is CRNAs just want to be recognized for their value. And I think Mm. therein has been part of the problem. Well, I think they painted, they painted you guys in a light and you either, you stand there and you take it or you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No. And, yeah. you know, sometimes when, and it's, it's, I don't want to call it a bully relationship, but when you're being somewhat bullied, if you stand there and take it and let somebody paint you in a corner, then you deserve what you get. Or you stand up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to sock you right in the mouth. And, yeah. you know, I mean. Yeah. See, that's what ha- has happened to the women now. We we have been tired of this. Now we're coming out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we didn't even gosh. get the right to vote till 1921. That's right. And now you're taking over that's the world, true. Sharon. You're taking over the world. Uh, hey, Joe, you, you know, you that's said, the plan. You said something earlier, and I, I just, you know, I want to elaborate on it a little bit more because uh, you mentioned corporate responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about that these days and you've got corporations that are doing things that, you know, somewhat, it looks like they're doing it surface justice, mm-hmm. you know, talk a little bit about your version of, of what you think corporate responsibility is and should be. Yeah. So in our business, it's really two things, right? The first is if you have a member of the team who cannot do what they're supposed to be able to do, you've got to fix that problem, right? The second part is if you have a member of the team who is feeling excluded or is being excluded, right? And this horrible relationship between these two groups, you've got to figure out how to solve that, right? 
the business, uh, there's this idea, the business of business is business, right? Milton Friedman, Reaganism, et cetera. Right. Uh, well, he, he influenced the Reagan administration that you should only be making money, right? And about 15, 20 years later, a prevail, another prevailing thought came out, which is this idea that, hey, if you're operating your business on the road and you don't take a little bit of time to improve the road, right, then your business will eventually have no road to work on. Right. So for us specifically, that's why we've done two things, which is number one, get involved in CRNA advocacy, obviously. Right. Anybody who's listening to this already knows that and to be good at it. Right. And to, to win. Right. Otherwise, what's the point? The second part is to some degree, this is not the only reason, but I'll speak only for myself here. We wanted to integrate or I wanted to integrate physicians into the group to prove to the market that you can have these collaborative relationships where both you can both be professionals who are autonomous and have their own scope of practice, et cetera, et cetera. But you can actually collaborate at the local level based on your individual skills and abilities to get great outcomes in a cost reasonable way. Right. And that's what we're proving to the market right now. Right. There's a lot of other groups, other organizations in Arizona who are look at what we do and think, well, they don't check the, that ASA box. So therefore, what they're doing is bad, but the outcomes speak for themselves, right? And uh, I don't think we'd be growing as an organization if there was not a hunger in the market for that solution. And I've look, I've told a lot of physicians over the years, and this is important to me because I've had some great physician mentors. A lot of physicians over the years, the groups, the organizations that will win the future, right, or that will thrive in the future are the people who can figure out the answer to this question of how do we get CRNAs and physicians to both feel like they're valued. If you can figure out that answer, more than likely you're going to be successful, right? Because there's gonna be markets or situations which demand physician involvement for one reason or another. And if your posture is, I hate physicians, you're going to lose. <laughs> you're going to be cut out of that part of the market. Or if your posture is, all CRNAs must be supervised forever and ever, amen, until the end of time, you're going to lose as well. Because a lot of the shortages going, I think, probably fair to say in North Carolina, uh, a lot of the short air quote shortages that are going on could easily be solved mm -hmm. and or addressed by saying, look, we're going to change the model that we're delivering anesthesia in and change it from one to four or to one to six or one to eight or whatever you want to do locally, whatever's appropriate based on the staff. But these strict, you know, again, from some trade organization in Chicago being at one to two, I mean, if you want to keep doing it, that's great. And my phone number is available on my website for anyone who's interested who wants a consult on how to run that department better, right? Because, I mean, it's just like it's, oh, the yeah. answer's there Well, in face. you know, we've been battling this since 2005. Matter yeah. of fact, them trying to put physician supervision into mm. law. But back to relationships, we battled them when they had donated $1.2 million in our mm. state legislature. That's a lot now, of money. At that time, the national pack for the ASA only had two million in it. And the North Carolina docs had donated 1.2 million in North Carolina. And Joe, we still beat them. Wow. They did, that's impressive. They didn't, they didn't win. And it all boiled down to relationships. Yeah. And people who spent hours and days in Raleigh for three years. Mm. I know I spent two days a week, every week. Wow. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It, it, yeah. And 
you know, it's interesting because sometimes your colleagues don't really understand what that means. So whenever I would go back to work the next day and I had been in the Capitol the day before and they go, oh, you you had a short day yesterday. Well, I would have to be in the legislature at seven o'clock to find the, you know, get past the L.A.s to get to the legislators right, or, right. or where the, the big four would eat breakfast together every morning, the power bunch to be there with them. And you're in the legislature all day. Then you got to go to the watering hole where they drink and they eat in the evening. And it would, and then I'd have to drive two hours back home, go to work the next day. So it's a 16 hour day. Heck, going to work would have been a lot easier. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but it's sometimes words, even our colleagues don't even know what the time is that you have to put in. Um, yeah, very much that. so. I think CRNAs in America have it really, really, really good. Like yeah. it's just like like just go check out the CRNA jobs in, you know, England or Australia or France or Germany or basically any Western economy. And they don't exist, right? We're kind of like this American innovation. It's it's because of people exactly like you were just talking about like these unpaid volunteers or minimally paid, right? Where they could be making a lot more money in the operating room. Our entire profession is based off that, right? It's based off people telling that story to say, hey, yes, we're nurses, but we also learn this magical thing called science. And uh, that allows us to be really good at this job. Well, you just wait being on the board. I know I was fortunate the company that I worked with was CRNA owned and he let me Mm -hmm. go in the hole with vacation time. It took me two years before I had any vacation time. Joe just takes off whenever he wants to now because, you know, he's like the director guy. So that's it. (laughs) See, I've never gone that high. I'm still the one pushing the profile every day. (laughs) And you know, it's funny when you get to, when you're as a business owner, Oh man, I probably take two, I might be able to get away for two days. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, you probably, you, you own your own oh, firm, man. right, Jeremy? Yeah. So it's just like after two days, two things happen. Either my emails pile up to the point where there's a crisis or I just get, I don't know, man. I just, I'm. Your skin starts uh, crawling. Yeah. Oh, I get, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Or you get an email yes. or a text or a call yep. and you're like, oh man, I'm back in it. And yep. your wife's yep. going, and we're on vacation and you shouldn't be working. And I try to tell her, look, when you leave the OR, you're done with your job. Mm. My yeah. job is 24-7. It follows me it's around. True. You know, I mean, it's, it's just the true. way it is. And, and yeah, yeah, as an entrepreneur, absolutely. I mean, and you've got to, that's that's the life, man. Yeah. If you, it, and if it makes you happy, great. Right. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. it just, that people don't realize that. Yeah, you know, no. If the stock like, market starts dropping, it doesn't matter where you're at, does it? It does not yeah, matter. That's I'll the truth. You, people that is the truth. For sure. So, you know, Joe, a couple things. One, you guys sure. do have MDs in your organization. Yeah, and they're great. Just listening to you. You can quote me on that. Yeah, no, that, and just listening to you, you know, and, and the way you go about things. I mean, talk a little bit about that. You know, some CRNAs might say, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. But, I, but from what I've discerned from what you said, it is Joe and the folks out there believe that collaboration is the way forward. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I think if our business goal is to be the predominant anesthesia group in Arizona, right? That means if you're an anesthesia services group, it is in your interest to be able to offer everything that a customer could possibly ask for. 
Right. right? And that's everything from two milligrams of Versed to cardiothoracic anesthesia, right? It doesn't mean I have to do it all. That'd be crazy, right? Right. That's that part, right? And then where it overlaps in my world with the advocacy work is that, look, if I want to be able to offer all those services, it only makes sense that everyone can do everything they can do. That's that's the recurring theme, right? And that's the nexus where these things overlap. And in our world today, everybody wants to boil it down to a some sort of Twitter retort, right? Twitter isn't real life. And uh, in the real world, you have to find those overlaps. And most and again, most business people are not willing to do that because you have to put yourself out there. And I suppose it's just a, a calculated business decision for us. Well, I suppose my, my business partners are just okay with it. <laughs> I suppose that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. But um, I think for us, it's a good way of doing business. And look, there are very, look, a perfect example is the AA thing, right? How can I go around saying CRNA should do everything they can when, you know, also, at the same time, AAs, no, not ever, right? So right. in Arizona, we are very consistent with that. Say, look, AAs can come to Arizona today. You can start services today, right? As long as it does what we're already doing, which is ensuring fair competition. So you guys come and we'll supervise you and it'll be no problem. And of course, that deal was turned down, right? Because the people on the other side of the table weren't arguing from, hey, let's have great markets that are competitive and drive down costs, but also allow everyone to play with a full deck of cards, so to speak. They weren't operating from that. They were operating from what is most economically beneficial to our members. And that's why they keep pushing this AA thing, which is, again, fine, but it's really just a market control thing. I digress. It market control and money, Joe. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So, and Sharon, I know, you want to, I know you've got a point, but I'm going to kind of <laughs> segue into some, one more thing real quick. You know, when I get with Joe, he like gets my juices going and, you know, he's a business guy. I want to hear about that. You, you know, not like that. You know what I mean. I mean you know, he he kind of does. He's a good looking guy, you know. Oh, my like gosh. But, Even uh, sans, sans hair. I used to have hair when I got involved. I remember but, when you had hair, Joe. Yeah, me too. I, I had hair like Jeremy. when you were a student. Oh, my gosh. Uh, um, but, you know, what truly is the value in the term nurse anesthesiologist? What's the value? If people don't know who you are, the relationship is bound to fail, right? And that's whether, you know, it's your husband or your wife or, you know, an insurance reimburser or, you know, your neighbors, right? So ultimately the nurse anesthesiologist, nurse anesthesiology thing is about communicating both internally and externally, right? that we are full professionals and members of this specialty of anesthesiology, right? Really, it's a communication tool at a very basic level. That's part A. Part B is in the world that we are in, this modern environment, right? There's two major naming conventions that are going out there. The first is physician anesthesiologists, right? And then nurses and then anesthetists, you know, AAs, right? Right. And the physicians are at the top of that hierarchy, right? The second one is, hey, we have multiple professionals involved in the specialty of anesthesiology, which are physicians, of course, right? But also advanced practice nurses, dentists, and a number of others, right? Those are two very different approaches that have huge downstream effects. It's not really about the words. It's really about the impact and the downstream effect of those words. That's what this is about. Right. To me, there is no coincidence that proponents of this nurse anesthesiology thing 
Some of them are out there quieter than I am, but they're significant business owners. They see that future down the line of, they see the downstream effects, right? There's been other political or regulatory changes that have come out of this movement, which really have nothing inherently to do with the term nurse anesthesiologist, nothing but the mindset, right? Which is, hey, we're here. We're allowed to be at this table. We want to sit at the big boys table. It doesn't mean the other big boys have to get kicked out, but it does mean we're here. And like you said, Sharon, earlier, that we should be valued for the, the value that we're giving this country all across the country in communities all across America. That's it. It doesn't, you know, the physicians are all upset about it right now. And in a few more years, they'll, they'll just, you know, <laughs> they're going to shrug their shoulders over this, like just like they did the doctorate, which is, again, a professional norm for physical therapists and social workers and pharmacists and everything else. And, and that, that's really it. You know, it's, a, it's yeah. a communication tool more than anything else. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So, Joe, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing CRNAs in the future? The biggest challenge we have as a profession is leadership, right? Now, the reason I say that. Outside of whenever I was president, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> definitely. He definitely. did say future. Undoubtedly. He did say future, you know. So. Right. <laughs> probably, probably once a week, I will get a phone call and it goes something to the effect of, hi, Joe, thanks for, you know, being involved. Here's my problem. What do you think? 90% of the time, that problem or that opportunity, right, could have been more effectively solved if that person had developed their leadership skills, right? Communication, diplomacy, being competent in your industry, like having a basic understanding of how all these things work. If we can solve, like, let's say there's 10,000 problems a day, right? If we can solve 8,000 of them earlier, right? Everyone, it's just productivity gains, right? Everyone at the, the top of that triangle gets that much more effective, right? So in the long term, that's it. it. That is the answer to all the other questions, right? How do we govern the association? It's a leadership problem. If we're going to yeah. bicker with one another for like hours and hours and hours, that's just a waste of time, right? Where if you have an effective team, right, you can get it done in 15 minutes. But I think you alluded to what I believe just a little bit earlier. It's every CRNA. Mm -hmm. Okay. You might have all the great leadership you can have sitting at mm -hmm. the head table during the business meeting, but if somebody's screaming at the microphone, at the pro mm -hmm. or the con microphone, mm -hmm. then that's mm -hmm. a problem. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's but a, by leadership. It's, um... it, it's every CRNA, not just the people who are elected. Oh, for it's sure. Every singer. In for sure. <laughs> yeah. By leadership, I don't mean like the people currently, you know, like you mentioned Kim Gordon, right? I don't mean the people currently engaged. I mean, the 40,000 people out there who are just, you know, barely engaged, barely aware. Like, you know, MI68 was a great example. The 68 CRNAs who like oh, held yes. out on their contract like six or seven years ago. And it was kind of like, guys, this is so cool. You're coming together. But if you weren't at the table to begin with, you are so far behind the eight ball. Almost nothing we do now is going to be successful, right? That's a leadership problem, 
right? So I totally, absolutely, 100% agree with you. There's this woman I work with. Her name's Pamela. I didn't get permission to use her last name, so I'll just call her Pamela. She said, Joe, I'm not a leader, right? So I can't. I, I Like four years ago, I said, hey, I'd like you to be the lead CRNA at this place. She's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm not a leader. And I'm just not comfortable with that. So I said, okay. So we, we just I just let it go. And she's there 90% of the time. And a number of years, years go by, and she's just solving problems. She, problem comes up. Pam already solved it, right? Problem comes up. What does Pam think? Oh, Pam's got the answer. I deferred her, right? So then a number of years later, I said, Pam, we're going to give you a leadership stipend now. So you, I want you to ask me for a stipend. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just ask me for money. I'll give it to you. So she does in a very hesitant way. And I, we gave her the stipend. And I said, you have been being a leader, right? And this is an everyday type of person, just a great CRNA, right? It's rolling her hands up and solving problems at this one small facility, She's a leader. She never recognized herself as such. She never saw herself in that way. She's super uncomfortable in the spotlight. She is a leader. She's solving the problems because ultimately that's, that's what we're trying to do is make things better. So yeah, Pam, Pam's a leader. I don't know if she's going to hear this or not. Maybe I'll get a text message in a few weeks, <laughs> but, um, but you're absolutely right. We need more people like that. The more people like that we have and the people that we grow like that over time, the better off we're all going to be, including our relationships with other stakeholders too. So Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Fire away. All right. So, you know, you are a leader and you've become, you know, even more a leader. It almost seems like week after week. I mean, you're always involved in something. You're putting yourself mm -hmm. out there. I mean, Sharon's a leader. She's put herself out there. And anytime you're a leader in a leadership role, there are going to be people that love you <laughs> and there are going to be people that really just don't care for you. And, you know, Joe and in, in probably the last year or so, I've noticed some things that Joe's become controversial with some segments of your colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess as we're talking to our listeners here, I would like to pose the question to you. What would you like to say to those folks who maybe, and you, you made mention of it earlier, you know, you said, you know, Sharon's friends didn't agree with, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing and, you know, and that's okay. What would you say to those folks who might not agree with some of the stuff you, you're doing and saying out there? What, what would you like to get across to them, you know, in, in maybe a brief segment here? And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but. No, no, it's okay. <clears throat> One of the most toxic, cancerous things that have happened to society is that we constantly demonize one another's motives. They're doing that because of this. I know why they're doing that, right? It is poisoned debate and it's made it, it, it like it, it's heartbreaking because yeah. productive debate is what makes good society. Right. So for the folks who, you know, they might get frustrated with me or uh, even when I interview people, I say, look, someday I'm going to use a curse word here for context. Okay. <laughs> I, when I interview people, I say, someday you're going to think I'm an asshole, right? My only request is that when that day comes, you pick up the phone and you figure it out, figure out if that's really true. Because most times, if I am, I'll just admit to it. But most times it's really just clarifying, right? And figuring out what the real problem is and solving it. Right? And I think that's why our organization has been successful. That's part one. Part two is if we have a disagreement, it will always be a disagreement about the issue. It will not be a disagreement about character right, or their personality or who they are or anything like that. Right. I, I was in one of these interviews recently and somebody said, 
they read off a list of criticisms like mean tweets and one called me the ultimate fence sitter, which I thought was pretty effective actually like in terms of criticism. Right. And that's because I try to be very careful about the battles I choose and I try and not always successful, but for those people to make, for those people on the other side of the debate to make sure this is not personal, right? I will argue passionately. I will do everything I can to make sure you lose. I promise you, right? <laughs> I will be a fierce competitor. But, but I hope that it, in a way that is a re- out of respect to them because I'm going to assume that they're also trying to do the same thing, but I will not cross ethical lines. And afterwards, we can go out and get a beer or have dinner and have a great time and talk about our personal lives and, and be okay with the disagreement and the fact that I think they're totally and completely wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I say that in jest, right? Yeah, so yeah. Obviously, there's no issue that's you know completely black and white. But when there's an issue like that election thing, the thing about a decision, right? You look at the etymology of that, the word, you have to decide. You're going to have to kill one option, right? Yeah. Ultimately, at some point, you have to make a decision, but it's never personal. Yeah. And that's it. I like yeah. it. I like it. Well, you know, and, I, and I've even been on the, the Facebook group, and, I, and I'm just thinking of, of one thing you, you posted not too long ago. There was some some things said personally about someone and you jumped in mm-hmm. and said, Hey, you know, we shouldn't be attacking each other personally on Facebook. And, you know, I appreciate that, but you know, I, I think that's good to get that out there. I mean, you're, you're becoming more known, you know, you're active at the A level, you're active in Arizona. You know, those are things that I think people need to know about Joe. And if they have a problem with you, hey, you know, reach out and you know, let's Absolutely. discuss it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Some of the people on the other side of that debate I've actually become pretty friendly with, which is ironic. We disagree yeah. a lot, but we do have a good rapport and that's what matters. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, it's good stuff. That will always be there, though, Joe. I still have people who haven't spoken to me that had been that's... my friends since 2015. Salt Lake yeah. City. Um, that's really sad. And, that's a, yeah. It, it, it is because, you know, we all do the best that we can do with the information that we have. And I would challenge you that whoever's sitting in any of those seats at the head table have donated more of their time than anybody mm-hmm. sitting in, in, yeah, that's for sure. in that's the cheap for sure. seats in the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and have the profession's best interest at heart. I never question that. I always think that those people have the profession's best interest at heart and they might not see it the way that I see it, but they have the profession's best interest at heart. Indeed. Yep. Yep. Indeed. So Joe, as we kind of wrap up here, any, anything you want to conclude on? You know, I think for, you know, we're talking a lot, we talked about a bunch of different things. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Number one. And I think for folks out there, who want something more out of their career, right? If you're good at anesthesia, but you feel like you can give something more, right? You should pursue that. It will be satisfying to you professionally and personally. And ultimately, uh, let me add the caveat. This may not be true this next part, but ultimately I think it benefits you in the long run, right? In many different ways, but it's very satisfying, you know, to be part of something greater than yourself. And that's it. That's good. Well, now we're going to enter Sharon's favorite part favorite of the part. podcast. <laughs> All right. I get the first question. You do it. You do it. Okay. It's All the right. lightning round. Favorite? The lightning yep, round. Here we go. So what's your favorite word, Joe? Oh, man. Favorite word. 
Oh gosh, may have to edit a few seconds out of this part. Um, <laughs> my friend word. Kimberly Gordon's uh, favorite word we can't put on here, no, but no, I buy no. her everything with the word on it. <laughs> yeah, um, my favorite word at, right now is etymology. Oh, that is the study yeah. of where words come from. And I, I like words. Words are very powerful and uh, we got to be careful how we use them. So I always try to, I actually look up, when I look up a word, I always look up where that word came from because it helps me further understand how to use it in context and communicate more clearly. Well then watch on Netflix. Nicholas Cage has one about the origin oh, of all swear words. <laughs> yes. I saw some of that actually. <laughs> so uh, yes. Etymology. That's the word. I like it. Joe, what are you grateful for right now? My wife who has been tremendously supportive throughout all this. You know, it's funny. This is, so I was a real schmuck in my early twenties. I was like, oh my gosh. I, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to work in a factory. Right. So then I went to, I worked at Wendy's for a while. I was like, oh, and then I was like, maybe I'll be a pastor. And then like, oh, I don't want to be poor and depend on the uh, emotional, the whole emotional side was scary to me. So long story short, I was not an ambitious person. And uh, when I met my wife though, I don't know, it's just something just, snapped in my head. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a death wish anymore. I'm going to sell my motorcycles, not asked to, I just sold them. And uh, I need to, I don't know, I need to be more productive in my life and be able to provide for this lovely young lady. So that's the reason I'm here today, I suppose. So she's going to cite that if we ever get divorced, she will, you know, she's, you know, she's going to be like, that's why I need 80%. She's a fierce competitor too. Um, But no, I'm very thankful for my wife. That's right. That's awesome. So what do people get wrong about you, Joe? Great question. So something I ask people that I trust is to criticize me and to tell me like the worst thing you've ever heard about me and or thought about me. And it's usually something along the lines, and I've heard it my whole life, which is like, you're fake, you're superficial, you have this veneer about you, you're always on, right? And it is true, I do try to, you know, speak clearly, and I try to be careful about my words. But something people get wrong about me is that anything like that is true. If anything, I, I, over the course of my life, I use that veneer to hide this very deep kind of brooding philosophical, you know, would like, would sit in a bar for 10 hours and talk about the meaning of life. That's big part of who I really am. People don't realize that that's yeah. So that that's, that's probably it. Right. So we need a statue of Joe as the thinker. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I could see that. That would be, uh, yeah, yeah no. we should do that. I could definitely see yeah, that. This, this in go. the That's video right podcast, there. I would definitely yeah. shave for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. I think uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's it. All right, all right. Good question, Joe. Last last one here. What what habit do you have you wish you could eliminate? Oh, overeating. Oh my gosh. There's nothing like. <laughs> I, I wish there was something really cool and deep. But man, like when you bite into a piece of pizza, like I can just feel the dopamine in my brain. I'm like, oh god, so good. Give me more. <laughs> I just shove it in. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible. I'd be like 40 pounds lighter. So yeah, it's a good thing I'm coke or alcohol isn't my thing. So it's so funny you say that we, uh, you know, we try to eat paleo uh, yeah. as much as we can. And we got off a little bit, you know, with COVID and, and so forth. And then we went on vacation. And so when we came back, we just, we're doing a reset right now. We're doing what's called a whole 30. So you eliminate, okay. we basically eliminate, you know, all sugar. You can't have any alcohol. You can't have, you know, cheese, yep. bread, any Lord, how long, how are you going to last? So, so this is day 17 
And so the thing is, is day six is always your hardest. Hmm. Day six, man, it is, I got a headache. I feel lethargic. Wake up, your stomach's growling, you know, it's like Hmm. the sugar. And then after that, you know, it's so funny. You feel so much better. Your system Hmm. is kind of cleaned out. And, you know, right now, I don't miss it at all. I mean, that's awesome. Nothing at all. You know, it's amazing. But, and in 30 days, you'll be good to go. But I will tell you, all it takes is about a week of eating like crap and you're back on that same cycle again. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. So crazy. It's not good, man. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy for healthcare. Well, I think anybody who's really driven, like, does your wife help you with that, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely. Do you, I mean, yeah, because she, yeah. she's doing it with me, and I couldn't do it without That's her. That's because she wants so. you to live long and keep earning. She does. You yeah, know? that's you exactly You can't die young. That's right. You that's know? right. And yeah. if you do need death or disability insurance, Jeremy Stanley at crnafinancial.com. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> oh, Thanks for the plug, AJ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, Joe, man, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for show. having me. I always enjoy uh, interacting with you and wish you all the best of luck with all the stuff you've got going on. And uh, Yeah, thank you. And likewise to both. Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. Well, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help us grow, Sharon, what are some ways they can do that? Like us, leave us a review, tell all your friends. And, you know, we just won the AANA PR Award. We did. Hey, congratulations. That's right. Yeah, we're pumped up about that. So, and we're, you know, we're in the top 50 medical podcasts consistently in the U.S. And, you know, our goal is to be in the top 10, as Sharon always says. So, Please like us. Don't love us, but like us. <laughs> and, and Don't get too close. That's right. But if they have that heart button, yeah, you yeah, can, we'll take you that. You can one, click right? that one too. Yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. Until next time. Good times. It's a wrap. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. 
call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.